All right, well, here's a, a, an old French-Canadian tune, and it's about a guy leaving on a boat going yes. to Canada. He's saying goodbye to his girl. Oh, wicked. And who knows what's on the other side, right? But <laughs> anyways, it starts off. Belle Virginie, les larmes aux yeux, je viens me te faire mes adieux. Et là, je repars. <laughs> I love it. That's our French I, I am French so one. proud of you. That <laughs> is our first Canadian French. song. Yes, I love it. Thank you, Greg, that so much. That was amazing. I <laughs> love that. Thank <laughs> you. Too generous. Too generous. <laughs> you are going to edit that out. Oh, right? I will not. We're going to keep it. We're going to open no, the that, show with that one. You Carlito. Are now, that is now a classic. <laughs> we, Carlito, we've got a special guest here today. Tell me more. So we... <laughs> two the left of me, I've got a, a gentleman by the name of Greg. How do you pronounce your last name? I don't want to butcher it. Labé. Labé. <laughs> Greg Labé. And uh, we are going to be talking a lot about, you want to talk about building science? You want to talk about building envelope? You Straight BS. B yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? And there is a lot in this business. <laughs> there, there is totally. So the mic is over to you now, Greg, and uh, introduce yourself and give us a little bit of, uh, of a history. Your resume, so to speak, your CV. I used to work in chemistry, doing you know big pharma quality control kind of stuff. Did a little bit in the mining sector, and just lo and behold, my heart was not into bench work, and so I just I left, and I joined <laughs> a little company that did uh, home energy audits called GreenSaver here in Toronto. I worked for them for about a dozen years, managing spray foam crews, uh, retrofit. Just so I've been in thousands of houses. That's kind of my my, my background. Is I, I, how I, long ago was that? So I started in 1999. So 20 yeah. years. Yeah. I left the Green Saver. I I opened up my own consulting firm, and man, it was. Uh, I think we were just ahead of our time, and uh, that's how we met. Yes. Yeah. That, yeah. That we we met through. Uh, I just wanted to work with people who were pushing the envelope and you guys were totally into it so we were trying new ideas and then yes. i needed to know those new ideas so then i didn't know them so then i i met you we got talking and all of a sudden you started educating me on how to do these ideas how yeah. to do these things and you started opening my eyes to just how beautiful you can make houses instead of the standard crap that <laughs> that you typically see out there the artistry <laughs> right the oh. creativity and the artistry of Manny is it's unrivaled and I just think wow why are all these rich people like buying schlocky boxes they don't know better you know they what? don't know you that's the problem I don't know if I want to know I that. don't want to <laughs> blow smoke up his ass but he's one of 10% in this industry oh, for sure 10% Listen, Manny, you're not on your own, okay? <laughs> no, no, trust me. There's a there's a nice line that hates me, all right? I'm fine with that. Um, but yeah, we, we I was fascinated by our conversations because I was really fascinated about... Like, You're right. What's the point of making things look really pretty if they weren't working properly behind the prettiness? And that's that's always been my, my, my shtick. What's happening in the envelope systems behind the, behind the brick, behind the drywall? So, and just to finish up your last question, which is now I'm managing the lab at uh, Ryerson the, in the building science program. It's a graduate level program and I manage a, a building science lab. So I have graduate PhDs and, and building uh, master's uh, students you? who wow. are doing research on bricks, wow. on 
you know, fo foam versus caulking versus. I'm gonna move in. Versus, <laughs> you gotta come. You gotta come. You're molding I minds. Leave. You are molding minds now. I am working with some bright people, and I learn a lot from them. And guess what? There's a wood shop across the hall. Is it, it is really? So amazing. Yeah. What, what era are the tools from? Oh, man, I'm telling you right now, you would just love. Like, I always bring people to the thickness planer and, oh. the, and the joiner oh. because they're a helical cutter head with individual teeth. So you yeah. hit a nail. Nobody's hitting a nail in this place, by the way. So the, it's the architecture school. You hit a nail, you take off the one carbide teeth. You turn it 90 degrees, and there's your there's your setup. There's your fix. Not one of this. You know, I've got that uh, Dewalt. You know, what is, what is it like? <laughs> Wait a minute. I have it too. <laughs> I'm glad that you said Dewalt and not another brand. Okay, sorry. I, <laughs> but that brings up a good question because I'm sure he's itching to ask it too. What what brand tool are you? You know, it's, we haven't asked that wait, in a wait while. A I know. Hilti? <laughs> no. You're not a Hilti boy, are you? I, I, I can't afford Hilti. <laughs> ah, thank you very much. I, uh, thank you very much. I, uh, <laughs> I, I own a an SDS Bosch hammer drill. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that, uh, uh, my son, who's an electrician, when, when he went into the trades, I just went into Milwaukee because they just have... The full, I, it's, it, it makes sense. Controversial. No, 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 it makes sense. So it does make sense because at work, okay. So one of the things at, in the lab, it's a small space and there are scientists around and the noise is an issue. And so one of the things they have is they have an impact driver that is a hydraulic impact driver and it's quiet. Wow. It's I remember seeing, yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah. Makita makes one as well. Of course, it's, it's Makita. Makita makes it. one of I everything. I know <laughs> everything. Makita I know. makes. They're hard to find, though. You know. It's anyways. It's called the Surge, and I, and it's a great product. But he's not a Dewalt guy. That's all I gotta care. No, about. he's well rounded. Actually, he's named a few. No, I I heard he's not a Dewalt guy. That's what I heard. <laughs> but, but I personally, I, I bought Bosch. Uh, tools there we go. It, for my own. Purposes. You guys are friends. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Well, at least I know why Manny thinks the way he does. <laughs> Let's get back to BS. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, 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 wait. Please don't be diplomatic. <laughs> wow. Well, try not to name names. We don't want to get sued. Okay. Uh, but be very honest if you can. Uh, but yeah, I want to get back to BS, so building science and, oh and your God. thoughts about it. Let me begin by this first question. What is wrong with building science today? Uh, so I think more if, if I pull back, if I parse that question, I was, you're kind of asking what kind of building science issues are we coming in a, uh, across repeatedly in the buildings that we're making? Repeatedly, uh, you know, when we do diagnostics on buildings, uh, especially part nine, smaller buildings, a lot of them are based on the air barrier system not being fully integral. So the building code is pretty specific. It asks you to install a, an air barrier system. And the key word there is system, air barrier system. And so if a, if a window is part of a system, that window ties into a wall assembly, that wall assembly has an air barrier. They have to be completely you know, flashed and or seam sealed. So it's that continuity. It's that continuity of the air barrier system that is you know, from the transition from the basement you know, often from the basement uh, foundation to the above grade wall or to the, you know, the platform frame and then the, the above grade walls, those transitions from, you know, you name it. There's always junctions where things go wrong and you find condensation or degradation, premature degradation going on. 
so thermal I mean, loss. The heat loss, for sure. For sure. You know what? It's funny you say that. You were just talking about the transition from one floor to another. I always find that whenever I look at construction, the, the rim plate, the ledger plate around the home, that's the one that always suffers, right? Yep. It's never thermal broken or it's never airtight. So pun intended, the disconnect it's, is really the issue here. It's a disconnect. It's the, it's the trade because now it sounds like from what you just described to me, it's, it's a trade issue. So you've got separate trades handling separate details of the home, but they're not working together for the system of the home. Yeah. And, you know, now we're building houses that have that are bigger in volume. And the irony is that the heating system, the heating plant is smaller in BTU than the hot water heater in most normal sizes, sized houses. Maybe not. Actually, no. In some of the very rich people's houses, you've got two Fire. hot water tanks. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. But, but the firing rate often on the heat uh, on the hot water heater is actually greater than it is on the furnace. So it kind of speaks to the vulnerability of an envelope. If you have a shitty building envelope and you've got a lot of air, uncontrolled airflow coming in, you're going to feel you're going to feel that cold in that one room. For instance, the, the room above the garage, we're always building rooms above the garage. It's orphaned. That duct has got to carry from the basement. You know, it's got to push that air through 90, 90, you know, 100 feet sometimes in, in order to get warm air to that room. And that room is, uh, you know, it's got, it's, you know, almost five sides of the box are completely exposed skin and it's constantly losing heat. Plus the master bedrooms up there, they're more sensitive. They've got big windows. It's, it's like, true. They why just... don't they zone it separately and, you know, put some baseboard heaters in there as a backup, just a because it's cheap, you can just use it as a backup. <laughs> Do they work? So is that? Okay. No, it's a, it's a design issue. It's a design flaw. It's strictly we're yeah. we're okay. We're talking strictly North American homes. We know North American homes, they're too big, for the amount of bodies that are inside of a home. We don't have fifteen families inside of one home now, but we've got homes that are five thousand square feet plus the basement, and you've got a family that's two kids and a, two parents. Yeah. But I mean, Greg's got a good point where you've got a furnace that's pushing air so far away to the furthest point, and that room's suffering because, like you said, it has five sides of weather yeah. attached to it. And we know that air, as it moves through these ductworks, that they lose that heat, they lose that volume, they lose everything. So sure. by the time it gets there, then you need to zoning. I'm a huge fan of zoning myself, yeah. right? Outside of that, how are these wall assemblies working? We're still going back to the disconnect of the different trades, of the window, the wall assembly. and the si I like that you said the system. I like yeah. that you said the system. Awareness is one. And, you know, I see with my son. You know, my son's apprenticing. He's an electrician. He's on a job We feel site. for you. He's, he's, he's on, that's great. I swear I thought he was a plumber because you said Milwaukee. <laughs> no, electrical trade is a great trade, man. Great I, trade. I should ask him. You know, maybe he's being razzed at work. Who knows? No, um, he's got his nice four-foot ladder. He's all good. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I know a lot of guys in, in the city, Toronto Hydro and so on, a lot of them are like Milwaukee also. Hmm. It's funny you say that. For sure. I, I see him. Uh, you know, there's nary a red seal tradesperson on that job site it's like there's no journeyman it's all a bunch of young guys you know and i wonder you guys probably know this better than i like what about uh carpenters what about plumbers? no you're you just said something so important to me i no one's ever said this but you are right we're we have many people that are educated with theory 
and not practical experience, they have their red seal or certificates, but they don't have the experience of where and when to do what. Really great point. I just wonder, you know, on the trades, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I, I'm assuming on a commercial job, like, you know, when we were testing U of T's windows uh, at once, but a couple of years back, I'm assuming there were a lot more Union members, journeymen. More, more, more journeymen on the yeah. job site than, than apprentices. Are, are the high-rises worse off than the custom residential? Or? And you know, maybe this is just uh, his his company, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't name names. No, here. of course not. Of course <laughs> no, not. No, please do. Please don't. Please don't. Dishing no. dirt. No. Uh, no. Uh, I'm busy as it is, man. It's, it's, it's a, <laughs> it, it is a non-union company. And, okay, and, all right, and cool. So, and, and so I suspect the, and the, the, it's the only, it's the, all of all the trades, it's the only trade that's not union on the job so that's that's really rare because normally it's the other way around that's interesting we well we had a union member here right so we've had many yeah plenty right so i want to figure out so where is bs where is building science in the pecking order of construction how important is building science is it in front of granite countertops (laughs) i doubt it is it in front of wood trim yeah, I doubt well, it. And that's the problem: is that the, uh, the 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 wood trim and the granite countertops are in front of the client, and the client's paying. And you guys probably know better than me. You know, clients always come to you and say, "I want an you know an R two thousand or a passive house or a net zero energy." They always start with that conversation. And you start with that big picture, and then little by little you winnow it down, and it's like the first thing to go. Next thing you know, we're building a package in SB twelve. And, and it's like, now nah, we're not going with extra insulation on the outside or, you know, whatever. You know, so, I, I actually find that maybe you guys have more educated customers. I shouldn't say that, but my interests of my customers are never on insulation or R value or energy efficiency. It's always about the big bathroom. It's, it's more about how to lose energy and money. <laughs> In areas like larger <laughs> bathrooms and really? you know things that aren't realistic that are dream wishes, but not you know something that will give back or save you. That's why I got a lot of questions for you. I can't wait until then this ask starts the up. questions, right? I, okay, I'm can we start? Can we start with the outside envelope then? Yeah, go ahead. Like shoot, working our way in. So my first question would be something that always goes back and forth, and now I have someone educated and have a background in the right information, not guessing. Is an envelope seal better from the inside or from the outside? Let's start with that. Ooh, good question. So it is a good question, and it's certainly easier to get a better air seal when you're doing it from the outside as opposed to, you know, like think back 30, you know, 20, 30 years of the six mil poly on the inside, and then in comes your plumber with a torch, your electrician with the wires, and every electrical box, right? How many electrical boxes and how many plumbing penetrations do you have on the outside? It's like one-tenth. It's like a presence. It's easier to put your air barrier on the outside. The only caveat to that is that either your air barrier system on the outside, your full-on sheathing membrane, either it's a, a vapor-open membrane, so like a Gore-Tex that breathes, or it has R-value, like SM. So that's... So for people who don't know, what is SM? It is uh, extruded polystyrene. Yeah, sorry, I should use the technical term, not the brand. <laughs> no, so that's fine. It's, it's interesting you bring that up because we actually had Hans in here. Oh, yeah. We I, had Hans I, in here uh, from Pinwheel when we were talking about it, and he was telling us the Germans were saying that they don't approve of the polystyrene on the exterior. 
it's not a part of their building code, right? So but that was also Germany, right? It was. It wasn't Canada. It was Germany. Is that like a Grenfell Tower, like a like a fire code issue? I don't know exactly that... the specifics of it, but he was saying that it was not approved by their building code. So, and we know that that's a lot of builders now are doing that. A lot of companies are coming on board and they're offering that option to put that on the exterior application, right? Yep. And you can put non like you can put Roxel in the outside. You know, we've got some uh, Roxel. It's like a stiff board. They're like three by five feet, uh, kind of an odd size sheet. They're super stiff and you'd screw them onto the wall. You know? Yeah, I usually do that in basements. I do that, then I build the framing and then I put the Roxel in, in between the studs and then I'll vapor bear if that's the choice of the, the homeowner. And Roxel is a fantastic product to have in a basement. One of the students, he's an engineer, super bright guy. Yash, he's uh, love him. He's uh, doing a study on uh, different types of fibrous insulation right now. and literally dunking it in water and i tell you man roxel does not hold water it drains very very it oh, really, drains yeah? very nicely. so it doesn't burn it do, it doesn't saturate in water doesn't hold water but it's still breathable yep and how dense is it to hold the energy of hot or cold going through it to come in and change yeah, so in terms of the uh, the R value density, it's not quite as high as, say, like an extruded polystyrene, like the blue or pink uh, board foam. If you allow for it, uh, you know, you just put a thicker a thicker layer. You put two layers in there. You know. Why are we still using pink insulation? Mm, my my pet like, peeve. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so not, happy you're talking listen, about I this. I don't make a phone call at a payphone. I don't listen to an A track. I don't watch movies on VHS <clears throat> or Laserdisc. <laughs> I don't have a Flobie cutting my hair. You know what I mean? Like, you know where I'm going with this. Like, why are we still using fiberglass? Why are we still cavemen? <laughs> yeah. Uh, why are we, like, you don't like it. Do you like it? Is that, I'm smelling something. Is that, <laughs> is that money? I'm smelling money. No, I'm smelling money. You, you know, um, Look, it, it shouldn't be minimum code. And, and I think Manny's right. And I, I think I can smell what you're smelling. Okay. <laughs> Let's be honest, okay? So if I give you guys each, so Manny, I'm going to give you a, a, a bag of, of pink. Carlo, I'm going to, uh, Carlito, sorry. It's, uh, okay. it's okay, my mom calls me Carlo. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> I'm being slapped on the side of the head here. Uh, I'm going to give you a bag of Roxel, okay? So now, now we're going to go to Manny, and we're going to say, Manny, I want you to open up that one bag and fill this entire wall here. So you open it, you take your knife, you rip it down the bag, what happens? <laughs> Bang, it pretty much fills up the entire room, right? Yeah, it's like his pockets. Money flying. It's like a big girl at a buffet. Yeah, it just like, yeah, it just goes, man. That's all it is. It is like a jack in the box. It's so, true. Right? And then and then you go to town, you fill up like pretty much two thirds of the wall with one bag of pink. Carlito, open up your bag. What do you get? Well, I get a little poof. <laughs> it's tinier <laughs> but it's more robust that's right it's rigid it's thick it's dense it's what you do with it yeah you know and so, <laughs> I so, like him I like him a lot already so, so now you're going to go to your wall and you're going to do maybe a third of the, the wall Manny got two thirds you got a third with one back the density is definitely there, right? But it's a better better product. It stops, you know, it, it, it attenuates sound better than fiber, or fiberglass. I don't think they doesn't have claim. any sound no, at all. No, no, yeah. in terms of sound attenuation. So, so. so I haven't, I have never purchased a bag of fiberglass, so I don't even oh. know what the cost of fiberglass is compared to Roxol. 
what I want to say, and we should get to the price right away. I did fire and water damage for many years. I worked for insurance companies. I also did projects where I was forced to use pink. And my experience was forced? Forced because it's a budget. It's already there. I'm finishing a project for someone else that's been booted out. Forced. What I found in my, in my experience in this business is that whenever I open up a wall and I find pink insulation, I find mice. I find... Uh, squished and pulled and ripped pink insulation all the time. I find soaked, molded insulation. It's never, when it gets wet, it shrinks and gets tight. It doesn't, like I, I found complete failures in it. With Roxel, I never found failures except for when people tear it instead of cut it with a bread knife. I'm a, I'm a spray foam guy. I'm, I can't wait till we get this. <laughs> spray foam. I also like rigid boards. So yeah. I just yeah. wanted to say one thing that this show is brought to you by pink insulation. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no, but these are all valid points, right? So I, I mean, back to the cost thing. Do you know offhand? Like what is, is it two times twice as much for the Roxol versus pink? If memory serves, I haven't bought a bag of. So the other day, I think it was about 12 to $14 cheaper to buy the pink bag versus the rock salt. I was in that aisle. I, I was just so going through that, to 25%? get... what is 25%? 25% cheaper. What are you getting for it? You're getting... You're 20, losing 25%. 25% cheaper, and it covers, you know, 30% more. But it's so not it's insulating money. your home, right? You're it's not... It's money. That's so the, in about 10 years, you're going to see all the drywall nails, and you're going to streak lines. We know it's short-sightedness, right? That's basically what's going to happen. Well, yeah. And another thing I hate about pink is the fibers are so airborne. It's always, you're so itchy. They're everywhere in the air. You know, when we have a nice LED light, you can just see them flying <laughs> towards your lungs and crystallizing in there. Mm. You know, and I'm just like, put your mask on, guys, and put your goggles on. Not glasses, but goggles. Yes. And, and they're like, Carlito, put your clothes back on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am European exhibitionist. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get back on track. Um, you want to talk about spray foam right now? Well, yeah. Well, we're already, we're, you know, Do I want to get back, I want to get back to vapor Do barrier it. because kind of, we're kind of in and out because I, we were talking about the separation. Is it better inside or outside? And we were kind of going yep. that direction, but since we're already talking about pink and rock, so please, I just love spray foam and I, I'm hoping that you're not going to burst my bubble and destroy my thoughts <laughs> and outlook to spray foam. I'm an eco-friendly two pound closed cell, uh, spray foam guy. I also always, and I don't care if it's in its fifth or sixth generation of spray foam. I always tell my installers, I never use the same one. I always have problems with spray foam guys. They're in and out. I have different guys all the time. I can't keep a consistent Talk about guy. a banjo, eh? Um, <laughs> that's a bad song. <laughs> Ends with an apple in your mouth. Squeal. <laughs> And a big guy with a, with a leather mask. Oh, my God. So oh, can we get back on track? Yeah. So, so I, I always get the guys to spray in two or three patterns. So I'll get them to... So, just like pouring concrete, I get them to spray an inch and a half to an inch on their first pass to build the skin. I know that, that they, they say that it's dense enough now that the skin isn't the vapor barrier. I always get them to do that. Then I get them to do a second pass. By the time they finish the whole main floor, they're on their second pass. Now there's a skin behind the next skin. So that way when they shave it off, because they always overfill it, mm. um, and it's sprayed on the studs, it's sprayed on your wires, it's sprayed on everything. But when you cut that, 
I always feel you'll still lose that. But even more important about the spray foam that I find that a lot of people don't know is consistently sprayed into a cavity. That chemical may not cure properly. And if it doesn't cure properly and it's not consistent from the outside to the inside of the, or the middle, you have off-gassing. That's my biggest question. Okay, so... Lots of questions there. I know, there's a lot. So back when I was at Greensaver managing guys who... I, I, I was a Kafka certified spray foamer. I sprayed it long enough to know that my arm wasn't strong enough. Those guys really need strong arms. It's like the it, hose. It looks, it looks, it's the it looks gun. easy. <laughs> it's, it's the gun, it's the hose, and, it, and it's like that umbilical cord is yeah. really heavy. So first and foremost, spray foam is pushed out through a gun that has tiny little pieces like, like my watch here. Tiny little pieces in it that if they're not cleaned properly and taken care of, guess what? Things go off ratio. So off ratio, oh. you want to have... So, so you've got a cylinder that moves side to side that pumps one to one of resin to uh, isocyanurate. So it just pumps back and forth and you add a lot of heat and a lot of pressure. That's why that umbilical cord, they've got the big generator. Most, I of, love it, that. most of it is to make heat because there's a heated ca tracer cable going through that long run. Temperature is, is key. So substrate temperature is important. Your substrate shouldn't be wet. It shouldn't be too dirty. So like if you're spraying a header and there's a bunch of concrete crap and you know foam cans and wow that's whatever. an excellent yeah, point right? just just vacuuming all of the, the air blowing plates. most yeah. guys will just spray right over no you're yeah. right vacuum no one talks about plates, that vacuum your soap plates clean everything out get ready for the spray foam right yeah. now so getting back to it so it's super important that your spray foam doesn't go off ratio and if it, it doesn't go off ratio and you've got the right heat you should it should cure so you're talking about with minimum off-gassing basically the off-gassing that you're getting it's an occupational hazard. It's not an occupant hazard. Okay. Okay. So certainly when they're spraying you and you should get the hell out. out unless you've got a scuba fresh air, right? Right. Because you develop a sensitivity to the isocyanurate, just like a spray booth in an auto mechanic. It's the same chemicals, isocyanurate. Oh, wow. Okay. And so that, that, that you cannot filter it out with carbon. You can't, it's not a particulate and you actually need Air. Fresh air. Clean air from outside. Oh my God. How many times have I been in there without yes. an air mask? So the problem is, so one of the guys on the job site developed a sensitivity to the point. He was a great sprayer. Fantastic sprayer. Did a nice job. Conscientious. Nice clean work. He developed a sensitivity to it. And well, what do you do? We had to take him off that job and give him administrative work. He couldn't even go into the back of the shop where the barrels of foam were. Because he would wow. react. Yeah. No, I my friend has that towards mold. He worked in fire and water. Yeah. Um, when he did mold remediation, um, he was so exposed to mold that his body would automatically trigger him to do two things: have to go to the bathroom, and two, he could smell it from the outside of the house. Yeah. He was so sensitive to it wow. that he'd have to wear a mask in a home with even small amounts of mold. So back to spray foam. Do you like it or not like it? I think it's. A great product in the basement for a hot Ooh. roof. It's a great a, product. A great product. Uh, where well, I have a hot roof, meaning a flat roof. Uh, no, me, me, meaning a flat or a cathedral roof where you're bonding the foam to the, the sheathing, outside. yeah, to the, to the, the underside to the, of the roof, to the deck. inside face of the sheathing, and that becomes an air barrier assembly. Now, with no separation. Yes. 
Now, there's a couple of caveats in there that we have to be careful. So I've been to a couple of places. So spray foam, so lumber, sometimes you guys have been there. You know, you're framing up a house, you stick a nail in and whack. Sometimes the lumber is so wet that it spits back at you. Yeah. That lumber is probably, you know, it, it'll shrink in its girth and it'll pull away from the foam. And when that pulls away from the foam, it cracks. It cracks. So my issue with spray foam in a stud cavity, if you're relying on that as your air barrier system and everything, first of all, your sheathing, your drywall or your OSB, it should be taped. Like, because that's the most continuous layer, right? So you're saying exterior wise, it should be taped. Absolutely. Like you can use like a zip system or if not. So that's why all the new systems kind of coming out now, everyone's offering a tape system, like like a, yeah. a zip system. Yeah, right? and, and you could use plywood with an appropriate uh, type of tape for it as well. You know, uh, plywood's very durable. So what does that do? Prevent air from going in and in, moisture? In and out, yes. Okay. It just is because air, ultimately, the crazy thing about air, when you have uncontrolled air movement moving through your envelope, it what does it carry with it? Disease and pestilence. No, it carries with it. <laughs> I felt like I was in the Bible. Pestilence and fury. It carries. It carries water. That brings up a really good point because I think a lot of builders are are they ignorant to the fact, no. or are they just oblivious to the fact that you need to build a house for both sides of the wall, right? Okay. So I know that most of the time we build for our winters. We don't pay attention to our summers. Yeah. So you're. Is that a six- fact? Because I don't. You build for what? I build for all purposes. I'm looking at the b- best value. Okay, so your wall board. assembly, you've got a six mil poly. I don't like using six mil poly. So what are you using? My first go to is spray foam. My second go to is rigid board. I put a put I put a PL three hundred between it, and then I red tape it. And then my next one is rock salt. I don't use pink anymore unless I'm forced to do a repair. I'm going to get back to the spray foam. When you're infilling spray foam between studs, essentially you've got cake in a pan. You've got a loaf that you can take out out of each stud in theory, right? If you grease that. So the problem with it is you've got all these units. You might as well be taking extruded, you know, board foam, cutting Cutting it to a perfect rectangle and putting it in there. It comes with the risk that at the edges, the wood will pull away from it. It will pull away because of the one-to-one ratio if the sprayer... That's a rare situation. Okay. And, and, and your sprayer, they usually know right off the bat. Temperature and moisture. T- temperature and moisture. If it's not cured and if it's drooping, you know right off the bat. So they would pull away if the job site or the lumber, those are the factors that are contributing to the potential of it being pulled away from the studs? You know how you're talking about the fiberglass. You're dragging fiberglass's name through the mud saying you've opened... See, we have a large history and a big, large, there's so many, your sample size of houses with fiberglass them are huge because the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, that was all fiberglass. There was no Roxel there yet, right? But they didn't know any better. But what I'm saying is that you and I, we who have gone back to fix stuff, the only thing we see is shitty fiberglass. Failure. We see failure. So to give fiberglass, a, you know, a slight sort of, you know, a fig leaf to cover their their parts. <laughs> is minimum code. But what I'm saying is that like Roxel, like spray foam, spray foam is, well, I just want to avoid the potential for spray foam to eventually develop fissures. 
And they uh, will? Between, they do? Or oh, they that's can? That's a scary word. Here's, here's <laughs> the thing. You know, I've done a lot of uh, diagnostics on buildings. We've done a church in that burned down. So, so this building, essentially, the spray foam had all pulled away from the two And this was six. a fire? No, no, this is a fire. Completely burnt a century-old wood church to the ground. Uh, they rebuilt it. The new church, they thought, okay, we're going to put in a heating system, a super tiny heating system, and we're going to put spray foam in there. And so they spray foam the back of the plywood sheathing. Again, that spray foam was all cut up by the framing layer, right? They put the drywall on top. In come the church people. In come the December cold, long, dark nights at Christmas. They're freezing because the mechanical system said, make this church airtight. We're going to design the mechanical systems for an airtight building with very little heat exchange. Uh, oh, heat I loss. see where you're going they with fine this. They fine-tuned the motor, They've right? It's like this: the race car needed a light body. We're going to make a really tiny motor that's going to make it super high performance. When you match that, and all of a sudden, when your envelope doesn't perform, when it fails so badly, it that, can't that keep heating up. system cannot keep up. It's like a little sewing machine. Wow. But, but we've talked about this, and we found that some of the best building projects in residential have come from commercial. And I believe that you're kind of headed to the doors were opening at the church and all this cold air was coming in. No. So when we put a negative pressure on that building with a blower door, every panel of drywall, when you have panels of drywall that are just coming up like that, that they could be part of the air barrier system if they were all taped, but they weren't taped. Wherever the foam happened to pull away from the two by six, we were just pulling air. It was just finding its way through all the corners, anywhere where there was lumber that was sistered on a seam, you're just pulling in a top plate, bottom plate, you're just pulling in a lot of air. So basically that uh, that building was losing so much energy by uncontrolled air leakage that people were terribly uncomfortable. What was the reason? So like I said, they didn't have an air barrier system. Well, they didn't have an anchoring. Like in a basement, you have a one inch, one inch thermal break, which is, the inside wall is separated from the exterior and then you're anchoring the spray foam as a sheet behind it, right? If I get you right, you're saying that your stud wall is spaced away from the, the masonry. From the exterior, yeah. yes. And you're spray foaming. Behind that. it. So you're getting a monolithic, that's like a one continuous pour. Yeah, that's it's right. Like, it's like this, this, this podcast. It's one continuous unedited piece. I love it. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I cannot tell a lie. Um, that's what he's talking about. But I want to get back to the church there where, so where did the system fail? Who dropped the ball on the system and why those fissures or the, it pulled away? It wasn't clear in the design where the air barrier system was. And I think because it was a it was a unique heritage building, the inspectors were kind of thinking, well, okay, this is maybe they were just caught off guard. And you know, let's be honest, nobody air tightness tests buildings. They don't. Very no. few people do. But you should, because you said you worked for an energy efficient company. I do. I so what I used to do is I used to practice this fifteen years ago, maybe a little longer. I would call a company up. It would cost about 250 bucks. They would come in and they would assess the home yep. and tell me where the leakage is, where the energy efficiency is gone. And yep. from there, we would calculate what we would do and how we'd renovate that home. That kind of stopped. The government stopped paying out to do these energy tests. In a rental, in a rental, you're talking what? $1,000 today to do this test? It depends on how much time a guy will spend on the site looking for leaks. But typically, if you want to build an airtight product, 
you know, what I say is, A, get the team together in the design phase so that we identify what are, like, what are all the drawing details that need to be beefed up. And when you or, say the team, you mean the mechanical team? I mean the designer who is drawing flashing details and or... Got it. I guess in residential, I don't know how many, you know, you probably don't see a lot of no. uh, that kind of detailing. Commercial, all that stuff is spec'd out. So just definitely starting off in the design phase. I like to meet up with people. I just like, you know, yeah. whenever you had a project, we always met up beforehand, start, kicked it off, started off on the, on the right foot, looking at all the de- details. What are they going to be the potential issues? You know, having a history of with just, you know, I've tested thousands of homes. We've tested very large buildings. We tested a very large building in Hamilton, a 20-story building. Certainly, you know, we've tested churches. We've tested U of T, School of Architecture. Yeah, all, all kinds of large buildings. Big testing is coming with the City of Toronto's Green Standard. Okay, so it's coming. Residential. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's happening with that. You know, commercial. You um, have to. Right? I really want to go back to this church yep. because there's a lot of problems there that I want. I'd love to talk about. Yep. It's a great example. You brought up a great, amazing example. Like you said, the basement is a separate identity from the main floor, or the second or the third floor, because the exterior is connected to the framing. You know, I want to get to steel and wood with spray foam because mm. spray foam is my. There's a. I really want to get this ironed out. What I do know is spray foam has a memory. Why didn't that memory come into play? One of the biggest things that my customers say to me is, I can't control my temperature in my house now that we have a spray foam. And I say, every single day, one degree until you find the perfect level. And it's only one degree a day. Don't do 10, don't do 12. You know, don't keep cranking it back and forth because that spray foam has a memory that holds either the hot or the cold and it will slowly dissipate throughout the day over four to six hours, it will release that energy that goes into it. That's why I like spray foam because like Roxel or pink insulation, it's just bad insulation. It's there to slow down the exchange from exterior to interior where spray foam has a memory and what you're trying to create on the inside, you're giving the spray foam a memory and that memory retains and then slowly dissipates. Am I right? Think about it. Your, your cast iron pan, your concrete floor, that has a lot of thermal mass. So the, the, I think what you're getting at is spray foam has a certain amount of thermal mass that gives back a little bit of heat. But the truth be told, you take a cubic foot of spray foam, how much does it weigh? Oh, it wouldn't weigh much at all. Two pounds. Two right? pounds. Yeah. Right. Oh my <laughs> God. I just failed my own test. Damn. <laughs> you got me. Oh, so, yeah. Damn it. I'm so, not going to stop beating myself on that one. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I'm gonna get an email. Can you take that out? <laughs> no, that was an unfair. No, question. no, no, that no, was totally that was great. That because, was totally great. Because I didn't specify the kind of foam. You know, we could true, have been talking true. about half, half, pound, half, yeah, half pound. pound. I hate it. Don't ever yeah, okay. buy it. Don't, so just yeah. for the record, because I know that Carlito's been going on a whole foam pour kind of. He loves tangent, it. and I used to be that way, but I'm not sold on complete foam. We did the cellulose job. It was a combination of foam and cellulose, right? Was it perfect? It was close to perfect. It could have got better, but that's where I'm headed now is a combination. And I like that Greg keeps on saying the system is the key here. So I don't, I don't think it's just about bat. I don't think it's just about foam. I think you have to figure out the wall assembly and what's best. Well, it's about the right system, but it starts for the the right job. It starts with the design of the house. Yes. So we have to figure out the design of the house. Yeah. Because people are designing homes these days that are pretty funky. You know what I mean? And they're, they're almost creating more problems than solving them. Well, there's a saying I always tell the customers, I say, 
there's give everywhere and we control that give. And if we don't control it, then we won't be able to later on. So going back to your church, do you think if you would have had radiant heat, it would have behaved differently? We did a, a barn one time, it was a steel barn, and we sprayed it in the summer, came out excellent. In the winter, it cracked and started separating. So What cracked? The, the spray foam. So on the next project, we did an eco cork, eco-friendly cork. Hmm. We sprayed it over the metal, that one eighth of eco cork did not conduct. Then we sprayed spray foam onto it because then it anchored onto the cork and we never had the problem again. So it sounds like your cork was uh, a separation, a, a, a buffer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It allowed a little bit of movement on whatever the backing was in the original. Like, a, what was it? Was it steel? Eco cork. Oh, no, yeah, no. it was steel. Yes, right. Okay. Yeah. So steel moves like crazy. So, so it'll foam. Applied to steel will probably delaminate because steel moves in all directions. Wood only moves in girth, but man, steel moves. Steel moves yeah. a lot? Steel moves a lot, yeah. Unless it's quarter sawn. <laughs> Quar <laughs> quarter sawn steel, it's, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Where do you get that from? I was talking about the wood. I was talking about the wood. Where do you get that from? Where do you get that? Now, you mentioned something about, you know, not, not being able to find. I always, you know, and Manny, you talked about, uh, you know, the trades on. Cellulose is one of those installations that there's not a lot of good installers out there. It's, a, it's an interesting product. Yeah. That's... Uh, it's a good product. Spray foam. I always say hire the guy pulling the trigger rather than the company or the brand. With regards to the brand, let me just put in a plug for ElastoChem because they are making a spray foam with global warming potential of zero. What? No, of one. Yeah, Where are they that, from? What does that mean? So it means that the volatile, the CFC used, most spray foams use chlorinated uh, molecule to expand and create the little bubble. And that bubble, you know, it stays, it stays in the bubble. But the problem is when that gets, when that eventually releases slowly over time, it gets in the atmosphere, it causes a problem with the ozone layer. So ozone depletion. Wow. So. And this company is called Elasa? Elasa Chem, Brant Brantford, Ontario. Really? Yeah. Canadian I didn't company. That. That's amazing. This is new or they've been around for a while? They've been around for, I think, three, four, five. Yeah, it's been around okay. for quite, quite some time. So yeah, hire the spray former. When you find a good spray former, if, you've, if that guy or gal moves to another company, follow them. They will save you money by not spraying. I've had guys who are like, just keep hiring a partition wall. <laughs> you know, and it's like, why are you spray foaming a partition? Oh, sorry. I thought that was an outside wall. Well, well I've, I've had problems where guys have sprayed uh, water tanks and sprayed overspray. Yeah, just, you know, uh, just being careless. I, I built a house in Toronto and I knew these guys, so I left them to it. I wasn't even there. I didn't even second guess them. When I came back, all the siding was covered in spray foam. Uh, <laughs> like, man, that's double stuff, the work, man. That stuff will carry a long way, you know, and, and, and on the wind. But getting back to the church, I, I, your basement example is I love it when people install the first pass is one continuous layer of foam. It's great. And because that one continuous layer behaves like a system. And then you can layer on top of that. You could peroxyl, whatever you want. That base system is there. Let's go up the wall. Now we're above grade. Main floor. Main floor. So now, two by six. So two by six, we've got sheathing. So why not just use the sheathing as the air barrier? You can tape it. That becomes your air barrier. You can spray foam on the inside and to have a continuous layer on the outside, whatever board foam you want to use. Not pink. <laughs> and now moving up towards the cathedral roof the, the interesting thing so if we want to do a hot roof the one thing about a hot roof is that you need to have the foam bonded to 
your sheathing. You can't have a gap. If you've got an air gap back there, again, it's the air will find a way to get back there. And the air is the conveyor belt that will move moisture in and out, mm. especially if it's moisture air from the outside, no big deal typically. But if, usually what happens is moisture laden air from the inside eventually gets into those cracks uh, where in theory, it would have been ventilated and eventually like a conveyor belt it yeah. just deposits deposits all its moisture and then you know what happens what we did on the hot roof was we actually did what was it six or seven inches worth of foam so we were actually going right on the sheathing past the engineered trusses of two by four another two three inches and encasing everything at once. i love it that's beautiful yeah and the other thing you could do is put cross purlins and what is that the cross purlin is like 90 degrees to the, the rafters. Strapping. Like a strapping. Yeah, yeah. One by one. You yeah. Know, horizontal every 16 inches. And, you know, you spray foam in that. And that essentially gets you uh, only points. Like there's a point here. Every 16 inches on a 16-inch grid, you you know, there's a, there's a point there. And it's you, a perfect guide to tell you exactly what you, you need there. There's less chances of that foam opening up. And you can get more, almost a continuous a monolithic coat of foam. Would it be fair to say that if I knew my exterior was going to be, okay, my interior was going to be spray foamed and my exterior was going to be plywood, before I put the plywood on, could I put a half an inch of rigid, then put the plywood over top, then connect it to the exterior studding? You could, but then you, as long as your engineer was aware of that, right? Because now you're sheathing, your nails are going to have to be longer for your sheathing. Your sheathing is structural, right? So if I understand you correctly, you're saying yes. the back of the stud. Sandwich. Foam, foam sandwich. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's brilliant. I mean, it'd be, be great. But, Don't but, rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> but, I think he got it from Hans because Hans was talking about a 14-inch wall right. where it was a sheathing wall, then a two-by-six wall, and it was a gap, and then he had a conduit. And he, remember all that whole no, assembly no, this thing? Is, there? Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. But really, this is com for coming from you because you're making points that I'm not used to talking about. Like, I won't even entertain half-pound insulation. Can I get it straight then? A two-pound, is it environmentally friendly for the homeowner to live in i think that with off gassing properly installed the carpet that you're going to put in that home probably will, will off gas and the, and the couch will off gas i talk about this all the time <laughs> yeah all, all the furnishings everything that you off bring, gases you know like the ikea stuff everything but, but the pinpoint the spray foam is it high toxic or is it low or is it neutral to everything else that you have in the home or less so after the rear formaldehyde scare you guys are you know, we're kind of the yeah. same, no, no, same, no, same yeah, snack yeah. rack in terms yeah. of age. That whole thing really scarred Canadians because the Canadian government said, go, oh, they went with hysteria. And some people argue maybe we went a little too far, taking it, you know, scraping it all out. Or, you know, the, the choice was to scrape it all out or to install a ventilation system like an HRV to dilute the pollution, right? To answer your question, spray foam, the polyurethane foam that we're using right now, when installed properly, it is bad for the people installing it. Within 30 seconds, it's like that title, it's like that asymptote, right? That chemical off-gassing within the first 15 minutes, it's off-gassed 90% of what it's going to off-gas, right? Beautiful to hear. Right? Of the life of and its... So, and so that asymptote, it, when it gets down over here, it's not perceptible anymore to the nose. Now, some people are more sensitive. Just think of that, that chemical off-gassing curve, that classic asymptote where... 
you know, you're just getting an attenuation that first 15, 20 minutes, you're really getting a lot of it. And out. then after that, it's fine. There's other things in your home that are dangerous. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to chat a little bit about, I want to go back to the system, the marriage of windows and door openings and skylights and everything like that. And then what should we be doing? Because I know that I remember my dad, when he was a bricklayer, he had the 12 inch roll of black poly. Staple, 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 and just put it on, pop the window in there, and all of a sudden just shim it and shove a little fiberglass in between, yep. and all of a sudden that was it. But that's not it. No, for sure. And you need planning. You know, I, I mean, I, I was at one uh, track built a lot in Mississauga where the builder gave uh, clients the option of going with different sheathing insulation packages. And one of the sheathing insulation package was actually thicker than the other. And of course, they left, they poured all their foundations the same width. Well, guess what? When you install, when you built your brick ledge for like a three quarter inch <laughs> insulation and all of a sudden they put in a two you know, inch, a, a one inch or oh, an inch and a half. Well, that's pushing the brick off the, <laughs> off the ledge. So that's so, a problem. So there was a bit of a problem there. And you know, the bricklayers would come and the bricklayers were cursing because they're structural steel. So they would just bash a hole in the air barrier system in oh. order to put the, that angle iron yeah. was was taking up too much real estate behind the brick. It's interesting. One of the students in the lab right now is actually, she's testing uh, different types of sealant methods as well as different shim methods. So we're comparing classic U shims with cedar shims. And? And we're... I, I Can mean, you tell us? I, I, if I had the results in front of me, I, oh. I, so she's, she's been hoarding the data. Jeez. Oh, okay. and, and we're comparing three different methods of sealing. Tape, you tape around the frame of the window. You, you stick your window in the rough opening and you unstick the tape and then you, you glue the tape onto uh, the rough opening. So it does, the, it does that transition seal nicely. So Got we're it. comparing tape to caulking to spray foam. And this is just comparing an air seal. And what we're doing is we're pulling a vacuum on all these different types of windows. And I need to work for you. Measuring your... <laughs> you just need to come by the lab. Come by like, the lab. I, we are come on, do, we are totally we to doing by the a visit. Lab. I'll we buy you guys lunch. Come on. I'm in. We'll come by. Yeah. For sure we'll come yeah. by. So so you guys are testing... What kind of tape are we talking about here? Uh, membrane? Like a membrane red tape? Red tape. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a SIGA tape. It's, it's funny because, you know, I was using a lot of caulking. Like a lot of caulking. I should have put in a bit, a bit of a back rod in there. Essentially, one window was taking sometimes as much as like three, four tubes of caulking. I was like, man, that's a lot of money, you know? Yeah, that's a lot of waste. That's, it is a lot of waste. We don't want to put garbage in the landfills, right? Hey, man. Environmentally friendly. <laughs> totally. Totally. I'm an, so, eco, I'm an eco-friendly guy, but Okay, so what kind of caulking were we talking about here? It was a silicone... Just a silicone base? I, I, I forget the brand. I, I got it. Okay. No, no, no. Don't, probably Tremco. M&L Lumber. Okay, that's where you got it from? Yeah. We don't know the results. I really would love to As, know. Asala does. We'll have to. I, I want to. I, I, I like to know about the plastic shims versus the cedar shims because yeah. I think everybody so, uses cedar shims. So the other thing that we're going to be doing. So we did the spray foam. We did one of one bead of spray foam on the inside. So these are anchored windows, right? With straps. Problem with the strap is that it's, it's offset, right? Yeah. Window on one side, frame on the other. So we spray foam this side. Now, and we measured the air leakage. Now, next week, we're going to go and put in from the outside a layer of spray foam, a second layer of spray foam, just to see how much more airtight they are. Because now we've got this part, we're going to get the back, that back part. So you just painted a picture here of, I think every installer only does one side or the other. No. They don't do both. The, the two people that we've had on the show that did the windows. Uh, I'm talking... 
I'm talking about the industry. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> we have very special guests here, right? So they they want to build better than everybody else, but the industry. But we don't want to teach right anyone the wrong ways. We no, no, no. But am I right, right or wrong that the industry does just foam on one side? In my experience, and my experience is probably a little bit. I've been out of the testing residential business for probably about four years now. It's been mostly commercial and. The, the occasional, you know, like guest, like you. Got you know, it. Pass by. Buddies. Buddies. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, man, he has a buddy? <laughs> I have several buddies. I thought I was People. his only friend. <laughs> People are actually interested in, in building better. I know. So I'm curious about it. You're, I, you're I've got a very, very serious question to ask you, Greg. Do you wear a lab coat in the lab? <laughs> Beaker, beaker, beaker. <laughs> no, Actually, do you, does everybody wear lab coats? Uh, I do have lab coats. Can we like go there and we'll have to totally. wear lab coats? Uh, really? Totally. Well, yeah. his is probably going to have like creation butcher on it or something uh, like that <laughs> perfect but I, I i actually in in homage to my grandfather who was a carpenter uh, a, a cabinet maker i wear an apron if oh. i'm working in the shop i'll wear an apron if i barbecue oh. i wear an apron <laughs> you know i remember i remember being That's on the roof all he wears <laughs> i remember doing roofing dum, dum, dum. And with my dad and one of the neighbors, and that's what the guys were wearing. They were wearing aprons. An apron. yeah. Really? Just a cotton apron. The nails were in there, you know? <laughs> that's it. all it was, man. Yeah. Simple. And they're a lot more comfortable. <laughs> all right. So you, uh, got, you got more questions? Well, well yeah. <laughs> I got lots. Um, we're, we're so excited to have you here. We're kind of bouncing back and forth. That's usually our MO anyways. We were talking about insulation, and we've covered... Uh, some of that insulation talk. We could put the rigid insulation in the same category as two pound closed cell. I really want to get the vapor barrier. Some theories or, you know, people talk about vapor barrier. I've heard from really brilliant people and I've heard from practical people. The brilliant people tell me that vapor barrier six mil plastic is not airtight. It's still breathable. Is that a fact? Let's test it out. Let's wear a, <laughs> you know, if you, I, yeah, to answer that question, I, very, uh, I would say that that's a fallacy, that six mil poly, first and foremost, you can have a six mil poly, but is it an air barrier system? But the material itself is vapor closed, okay? It's not like a piece of drywall, the unpainted drywall, it's vapor open, okay? Some moisture will travel through it. So if I take a, have you guys ever heard of the wet cup, dry cup test? No. So in the lab, the students just love this stuff. They'll take a cup, a glass cup, and they'll fill it with water, and they'll seal a piece of drywall to or seal a piece of rock to it. They'll just measure the weight change as the water dries. What? Yeah, the water dries through. Let's say you've got a piece of rock Duh, right? Yeah. It's, it's gonna, it'll breathe like crazy. The water's just going to... So you can see that, wow, look at that. Within three hours, all my water evaporated. Okay. So it's breathable. So it's breathable. So now if we take a piece of drywall. It's brilliant. So the drywall, you see it dries, but it dries over many days, many days, right? And then you take a piece of poly. And? And it, well, I mean, that's the reason. It stays consistent. There's a reason you put your sandwich in a bag. Come uh, on, guys. Okay. So it is airtight. It's airtight. That's just the material. If I put a six mil poly on the wall and it's not a system, it's not going to be airtight. So now there's breathable which is uh, which is vapor open and then there's water and it's my mistake 
for having conflated the two in this discussion. So I have no, to be you careful it. there. So no, you cleared it. No, no, okay. no, no. It makes sense. I also wanted to mention a lot of people think that when you use vapor barrier, there's a couple of things, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. You should only overlap your plastic more than four, just four inches. You should also double red tape your vapor barrier, not single because red tape is half three mil. And if you want to get a pure seal, you need to put two coats of red over top of vapor barrier to vapor barrier. And another thing is I want to talk about acoustic sealant and how important it is for a five star. It's Man, like efficiency. I know, eh? There's just question after question after question. <laughs> it's kind of like one question <laughs> extended. Like, so so like, here's the thing. I was at the doctor's office the other day. My knee's kind of bugging me. Thankfully, the x All of our knees are bugging us. Everything's good. <laughs> Mine too. You guys got to stretch. That's what I learned, okay? And I was looking at the contraception, uh, efficacy of various contra contraception okay. methods. So, so essentially what you're talking about with the vapor barrier, doubling up the vapor barrier, I'm thinking... Red man, tape, red tape, yeah. And Okay, let's, so let's use the condom as an example. Do you think... I love that we're using... Do you think... I love condoms. using condoms. I know this is... You're if the we perfect double, guest. If we double up... Are you Croatian? On, <laughs> if you double up on the condoms... If you double up on the condoms... I can't even put up. one on. <laughs> I'm a rental cowboy. I'm only going to use one. Okay. I'm a rental cowboy. <laughs> What I'm trying to get at. It's a great analogy, honestly, man. <laughs> what, it's true. And then you red tape it. <laughs> <laughs> then you're airtight. <laughs> okay, the point is that, okay. We're, we're, it, getting, we're getting it. Yeah. So, so, so now. The, the red tape doubling it up is not doing anything. Time. Okay. I totally think it's, a, I would say the building code says lap it, uh, I think a minimum four inch. Yeah. The most important part is that you clamp it. So like say 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 you've got uh, your poly comes behind a bathtub and the bathtub is open. There's no drywall pinching it and clamping it against. So that physical clamp, what you can do is take laps of, lats of wood and just clamp it against your, your bottom plate. So especially if that's going to be part of your air barrier system. In most of the houses today, you would be hard pressed to say that the poly is part of the air barrier system. The poly is probably just part of the vapor control layer. So vapor control versus air control. So if you're taping up your uh, six mil poly and you're relying on that being your air barrier, then yeah, it better be all taped up and it better be clamped where it's unsupported by drywall and framing material. Compare that to the Tyvek on the outside. And this is the thing that I- I hate Tyvek. Tyvek, Typar, whatever. You know, like you, you can peel- Henry Blue Skin, Blue Skin VP. It's, it's beautiful <laughs> stuff. You know, before you, really veer off, before you veer off, just uh, for, for our, some of our younger listeners and more- less experienced listeners, vapor barrier, air barrier, layman's terms, how to describe it, the function between the two of them. Yeah. So they get a better understanding of what we talk about when we talk about vapor and air barriers. First, we have to separate the discussion into materials. So when we just look at a piece of material, like a six mil poly, it can be both an air barrier and it can be a vapor barrier. Okay, now let's put the six mil poly over here. Let's grab a piece of Tyvek. So now we're looking at a piece of Tyvek. That piece of Tyvek is vapor open, and it can be part of air barriers, part of an air barrier system as well. So no air will actually go through it, but the vapor moisture will go through it. So the nice thing about that is that things can dry. So that's why we put it on the outside. It's vapor open. Just like most Canadians don't wear rubber coats on a cold day because of condensation. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, we go towards membranes like a Gore-Tex, yep. which is vapor open and is Breathable. also 
so it's breathable, but it's also waterproof. So now both those flexible sheet goods will behave as an air barrier if it's used in an air barrier system, right? And that's the big distinction. Got it. Is that they both have different properties in terms of vapor transmission. So you have to be careful with the six mil poly. If you put that on the outside in Florida, they put the six mil poly. If they were using, they were used on on the they use it on the outside because the condensation would typically happen because they're they're primarily an air conditioning climate. Yes. Uh, You can get condensation on the inside if you put your poly on the inside. So in in Florida, they build with the you know reverse. So the one thing to actually take away from all this stuff is that you have these different materials that have single purposes when they're by themselves but when they're connected to a system they have other purposes as well yep. contributing to the whole system yep and sometimes a six mil poly is just a vapor control layer okay i got two more questions Perfect. for vapor That's barrier great. one thing i wanted to mention is uh, minimum code in most construction guys are putting a six mil vapor barrier underneath their tracks or sill plates but mostly their tracks in a basement floor just let's use a basement floor for example. Now, one of the things I do before I lay tile on a floor is sorry, they're tracks. So, like if you take if you take wood studs or or metal studs, and so what I use is I use a styrofoam oh, okay. corrugated your, your sill plates. Yeah, so I use a corrugated sill gasket, Got it. and it allows air and moisture to travel through. It, it gives it a separation. Got it. Six mil. It basically just it just sits on the top and it gets sandwiched. A lot of times before I lay tile, I'll cut out a twenty four by twenty four piece of plastic. I'll red tape it to the ground. I'll come back the next day and I'll see how much moisture is caught up underneath. What people don't understand is guys that are building for a large companies and they're using six mil is they're actually promoting mold under their framing with six mil. That was one of the things I wanted to cover. I wanted to really kind of say to a lot of people out there, whenever I see wood framing, I see six mil plastic. I hate it because that is a source of mold for me. There's stagnant water. It's sitting underneath there. Your thoughts, Greg? So first and foremost, when we're building a new house, Again, that you know that asymptotic curve. That first two years, the moisture level, the moisture load insane. in the house is insane. Things dry out Green. over the course of a year. So usually by the second winter, things have stabilized, and we're kind of more or less where the house is going to sort of ride for the rest of its life. So, but yeah, that first couple months, man, that concrete that was just poured, it's curing and it's and it's drying. There's it's drying and curing. There's a lot of moisture on there. Lots um, of heat. Yeah. And if they, <laughs> and and you know, I don't know if you talked about a six mil poly underneath the concrete. If you put a six mil poly under your concrete, now that the bleed water, man, it can scare you. And a lot of moisture that's not being lost or dried to the ground. To the yeah. Ground. So you're right. So for a tiler, you know, I, I, I love that you're using an ASTM standard for uh, seeing how much moisture is. Well, I have just to, by or, taping or my tiles will collapse. Uh, like fail sure. and then I'm going to have a callback and I'm not the callback guy. I'm the guy that fixes the callbacks. Yeah. Rounding this out. So Doug Terry started introducing, uh, he's a builder in St. Thomas, a pretty code junkie as well. He uh, started uh, using a smart membrane. A certain teed makes it, I think it's, uh, I think it's called a smart membrane. It's called okay. m- membrane with B-R-A-R-N. Really? Yes. <laughs> I love certain teen for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Actually. Uh, so brain it, though. So, 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 so Doug builds his house, his basements. He uses this membrane specifically in the basement as, as opposed to a six mil poly specifically because he would get tons of callbacks uh, from clients who would say, man, I've got a ton of moisture on the backside of my six mil poly. I'm really worried. Oh. And he's right. It, it looks bad. 
He knew that it would eventually dry out, but he got tired of those calls. And so he just said, let's put in a vapor open membrane. And now this membrane, it allows just a little bit of moisture to come through, just enough to get rid of those problematic issues. I've used it. It's just people have bad habits. It's a great product. They run to the thing that they're comfortable with or know from everybody else, right? Another thing that you mentioned earlier on, and it hasn't left my mind, it's such an important thing. like The condom? So this, well, I don't wear them. They don't. You know how many sheep they have to kill for mine? <laughs> Man. <laughs> um, so you said something really important, and I don't have this problem because, and I hate saying because or but, when that ridge plate, if you don't spray foam it, you're losing energy efficiency, air. So when you're using vapor barrier, how can you? For the listeners out there, how can you connect those two without using spray foam to have no, it airtight? It's a great question, man. Yeah. What you can do, so when you put your, first of all, uh, when you're putting your mud sill down, you've got bolts sit, you know, hanging out of your, con- or protruding out of the concrete. Uh, what you could do is put in, you talked about the acoustical sealant. You could use a sealant, like they, they make a lot of good sill gaskets, caulking, but Siga makes some great products that you know, will really squish down and they, and it sticks like crazy to concrete. What you would typically do is on top of your wall, you take a section of some kind of a flexible sheet good. You could Tyvek, Tipar, something like that. I'm using these names, but why I just, do you like Tyvek so much? No, I, 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 <laughs> He's yeah, just like, describing it. Yeah, yeah, that. I, I know. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't I, like promoting I, it. So I, 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 I guess personal he knows that this show, opinion. So this opinion. show is brought to you by pink insulation. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. I'm smelling money, man. <laughs> Burning. Um, so, 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 yeah. You know, you can put a, some kind of a sealant on there. Put in a flexible sheep good. Put your uh, your your mud sill down. Build your floor frame on top of it. And then what you can do then is take that flap and just bring wrap it right it. over. Wrap your it's a it's a header wrap, right? Wrap it over top of the floor. And now you're now you can join either your. So your, it's like a top sill. Whenever whenever we finish our framing before we put the rafters on, we put we sandwich a piece of six mil in there. We're spray foaming or not, we'll put it in there so that we have that air break. Yeah, and ideally it would be something that is vapor open because it kind of go it goes outside, right? And but now if we're on the inside though, and we're that's okay. It's still it's still an air barrier. It'll be fine. It's still an air barrier. So because we're looking for that continuity, it goes outside, comes back in, and give yourself lots of flap. And tell the guys to just to be neat about this stuff. Pull it taut, no fish mouths, you know, yeah, no, yeah, no tears. Yeah. You know, I was on a commercial construction site. Steel guys were there, and the welders just welding, and it's like a, a shower of molten <laughs> metal all over the membrane. It, 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 you know, it, it, the, the air barrier looked like a welder's he's, bench. He's he's not a he's not a membrane guy. No, he's, he's a metal guy, man. No, but but something we talked about at the beginning of our some of our podcasts is that you have to respect the next trade. Of course, and if you want to be good at what you do, you should educate about your you educate yourself the trade before you and after you. And that will make you a great tradesman. No, you know, I, I, I love that. It, it speaks to, you guys have heard of this German passive house uh, concept where they're making super insulated houses that require very little heat to, to heat them. They're super airtight. You know where that technology came from? Where? 
it came from the 70s, the oil embargo, and it came from Saskatchewan. What? Hans told us this, where he was Sir saying Germans. there was a... Sir Germans stole yes. the Canadian technology. It was in the West. It was in the a, bush? In the bush. <laughs> in, not the 70s song, in the bush, in the bush. No, it, but that's where it was. Yeah, yes. and you're right. Yeah. It came from there, right? Yeah. And, and then so, but then... Did we ever build properly? What I wanted to say is simply this. Back in 1972... A they, year, I was one year old. I I know. I, I, I was, I was, I'm older than you. I My was, gosh. Not I was much. three years old. Uh, no, <laughs> you and I are the same age, man. Uh, so, so basically, these guys, back in 1972, they had what a lot of times is missing. And that is somebody who cares and somebody who pays attention right. yeah, to details. Because with acoustical sealant and six mil poly, you can make a super airtight house. It just means maniacally looking at all your details. You and I, it's hundred percent. We're going to really get along. No, and, we're going to we're going to do a podcast at the lab. We're going to get there and we'll oh get there. Oh my god, that'd be sick. We'll do it. No, we'll I, do it I, I really, you know, I enjoy all the podcasts, but I'm really enjoying this. This is answering a lot of my questions. I don't even know why I trust you. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things I always talk about, I like stucco. I like airtight homes. To me, an airtight home is more efficient than a breathable home. I have this argument all the time with builders and other contractors. Your preference, airtight or breathable? So when we say breathable, I think of uncontrolled air leakage and I think a liability for dust migration from outside to inside, from noise coming in from inside to outside. Like I, I live on a, on a pretty quiet street. But I put a triple pane window on my in on my main floor versus my second floor, which has double pane. Huge difference. Wow. Huge difference in sound attenuation. Well, triple pane's all about sound. Sound also. It's just sound. It's, hmm. it's crazy. Sound, pollutants coming in, uncontrolled air leakage. So guess what? The building code, we used to be able to put in suck only, as Joe Stebrick says, we used to put in <laughs> suck only bathroom fans, right? As our ventilation system. We yeah. turn on and somehow that would <laughs> it would suck the whole thing, right? And like the air, making a mold. And the air and the air outside would make its way in to replace, yes. right? We're relying on on a seventy dollar brown bath fan, a little meat grinder. Not me. Rah. Panasonic. And it's whispered. and the tail end of this podcast is brought to you I by Brown. Panasonic's I've been uh, I've installed a ton of them. Whisper green. Well, you know what? So, Whisper sorry. green. To round out this discussion, tight versus leaky. I say you are all paying for balanced ventilation. So the building code changed a, a couple of years ago. Now you have to install an HRV, right? Yeah. Yes. What the hell? That piece of shit is costing you a lot of money to operate. You better have no, an airtight envelope. No, but you can turn it envelope. off. You just have to have it in. <laughs> <laughs> right? You better have an airtight envelope. Why can't you have plants instead of... Uh, okay, so now we're getting into... Wait, so, wait, wait. So, what are you talking about plants? No, okay. because we're talking about air purification air, air, air and air movement. Yeah, no. Yeah, Moisture and... There's still more oxygen outside than there is in an airtight house if there's lots of occupants in there. So uh, 215 Spadina is... Uh, the Center for Social Innovation used to be there, and they had a green wall. And again, they had it, that big green wall was a beautiful thing. It looked beautiful, okay? It got no natural sunlight. It looked beautiful. Once every quarter, they would have a, a service person come in and they would clean off the wall because that wall got, oh, there was all Moldy. kinds of gross shit growing, yeah, growing back bugs. there. And your buddy with a mold sensitivity, like me, would have freaked out. I can tell the minute I opened that door when that person was servicing it because he would turn off the suck only. Oh. The suck only ventilation was, was drawing all the air in the room 
towards all. So I didn't smell the wall because all the air was migrating towards that wall, and it was masking the fact that that those all those plants, all those beautiful green plants, were just full of shitty mold. And so the problem with plants. The problem wow. with plants, and this is a CMHC thing, okay? Counter mortgage and housing, you can put plants on your house. They look beautiful, but don't use it for air quality. Getting back to an HRV, you paid a lot of money for that HRV. Make it earn its keep. You know how you make it earn its keep? By making an airtight house. Hmm, I love this guy. Let's go over a couple of things that, you know, I've, I've been making notes as, as you've been speaking because I don't want to interrupt. I'm really good at interrupting. I like speaking. I like listening to myself talk. <laughs> <laughs> but so, you're clearly a good listener. You wrote notes. <laughs> He's always writing notes because he forgets what he says. Well, <laughs> no, because this, it's so exciting and, and there's so much knowledge here. And I just don't want to skip a beat or forget something. That, I want to educate myself and everybody else that's listening too. I think that we're covering really important topics that no one wants to talk about. This because is a of great budget, talk. I'm because of budget and cost. Talks like this. One of the things you were talking about really you know, hit me at home base. When I was thinking about rigid lines coming up from the HRV, you know, you said that there's a lot of energy loss, but now that energy loss is mass inside your house, is it not? Sorry. You were saying that you were calculating that in long ranges of say 90 feet, you weren't getting the proper temperature into rooms because there was so much energy loss inside of the cavities where the rigid lines were like in the floor joists. No, no. By the time the heat source got to that zone, that area, it was lost. Insulating those lines, would that help? All those ducts are usually inside the envelope, inside the insulated envelope. You're better off just to make them air seal, air seal them so that you're getting all the volume, like whatever you put, like every bean you put in here, you're getting that bean out the other side, you know? Well, I don't see it. But I think, Greg, you were saying earlier that in that kind of a situation, if you've got to go so far, you're better off creating a zone system. Well, I, I think that if you're going to have shitty design, you better compensate for it by, by just zoning it. Yes. If it's a boiler, it's easy to do. If it's forced air, not a lot of guys do forced air zoning. You can do it, but it's a pain. But why not just put in, for liability's sake, put in a 220 Heaters, baseboard wire, heaters, you know, something. Put, put, put it there so that you can just turn it on should you need that extra little bit yeah. of heat. What's your favorite insulation? We talked a lot about them. What's your favorite system? Pink, man. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Don't get someone thinking that he actually said that. <laughs> Well, I, I, I have to say, so it's, it's, it's terrible, but uh, because I, I, Broxel just gives the university all the insulation we could uh -oh. possibly. So <laughs> I, I will say that I'm slightly biased. Broxel is a great product. I love it. Um, cellulose is a great product. So if we want to talk about uh, environmentally benign, cellulose is fantastic because it's made out of the, you know, nothing but the New York Times. You know, it's for like now the Globe and Mail. There's no spiny stuff, no Playboys in there. It's all clean. Really? Yeah, no. Just I joking. find that hard to believe. <laughs> they will never get my collection, I'll so, tell you that much. The problem with cellulose is that they're running out of stock and the price of cellulose is actually going up. Oh really? my because God. Where, where they, what's, where's it going? You got to read more newspapers. I don't, I don't newspaper, watch, dude. I don't watch TV. I don't follow the news and I don't believe the newspapers. I'm one of those guys disconnected <laughs> from what they call reality. And I'm in a real world. <laughs> You're living it. Yeah. You know? What is that going to do to the cellulose? Is it going to dramatically, I thought they were going to switch over to 
denim or yeah, no oh my gosh denim i no. mean de- denim would be uh, denim is interesting but yeah just think of that dishcloth yeah no yeah. and diapers i mean we all grew up with cotton on our arses right yeah, no yeah, not yeah, me yeah. like think about that I'm croatian just throw you in the lake come back out <laughs> <laughs> banana peel <laughs> okay here's the question because i'll ask it before he asks it what do you want to see change in this industry what would you like to see more of from the contractors out there? Well, I think testing testing your work. I I, I think that you that's, know yes, yeah, critical. I, you know, we all ESA does an inspection. How long did it take the ESA guy to run through your house? He was there for maybe twenty minutes. Right. They look at the ground wire. They go back to the go to the panel, the, open it, it up. Hey, you know, gotta go. If it's clean, right? Exactly. How and how much does that cost, right? I think testing buildings for air leakage is one way that we're going to get buildings a little bit more efficient, but nothing beats finding people who care and who are just are willing to go the extra mile. Like I said, 1973, we had all the technology to make an airtight house, to make an efficient house. So don't think that it's, you need spray foam or like some kind of a foil faced, whatever. We have it. It was there. (laughs) <laughs> we st- we have a lot of those products now. What do you think of them? Oh my gosh, radiant products. It's like a mirror. Okay, let's say I have like a hundred twenty Celsius mirror. Okay, it's really hot, but it also reflects your image. The nice thing about a mirror is that it reflects the light back to me. So yep. infrared behaves like that. So it'll reflect off of a uh, a radiant panel. But guess what? You touch that hundred twenty degree mirror. What's going to happen? Burn. Burn. Yeah, it's, so it's conduction. So the minute you actually have either a film of dirt on your radiant, on your shiny thing, it's not shiny anymore. And so it's emissive, just like the black floor here, okay? So if you want to take your, uh, your aluminum foil and make it not reflective, essentially what I'm trying to say is, yeah, radiant stuff is you can't use it underneath the slab. That's been debunked by CMHC a long time ago. Hold on, you can't use... Underneath the slab? The air bubble stuff? Okay. What air bubble stuff? This is what I use. Actually, this is is one of my questions for you. When I do pour concrete floors, what I do is I have a a blanket. It's got double styrofoam air bubbles. It's got a foil back on both sides. And then it's got a thin layer of uh, corrugated or styrofoam in the center. But it's sealed in a blanket. I take that blanket. I run it across the floor. I red tape it together, I run it up the walls, and then after the concrete's poured on top of it, I spray foam to the blanket. You're not going to like my answer. No, uh, I no, want to no, hear the answer. Hear it too, because I if I'm hear doing it. something wrong, then I want to change it. Guess what? What do kids love doing with bubbles? Pop, 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 pop. So now that's under your slab. So you're saying the pressure's popping them? Well, at some point, those bubbles are going to break. It, it will happen. It's just a matter of time. So now your slab's, you know, it's going to travel that, it's just going to collapse, right? Is that a theory or is that actual? This is what uh, Canada Mortgaging Housing did a whole analysis on. Because for a while, 10 years ago, radiant barriers underneath slabs were all the rage. Again, it's like putting tinfoil is great when you leave the shiny surface when you don't touch it. But if that tinfoil is 100 degrees Celsius and you touch it, tinfoil is not heavy. So you're not going to burn yourself. But let's say that tinfoil was like a big chunk of aluminum and it was 100 degrees Celsius. You would burn your finger. Okay. Interesting. But if it's shiny, shiny things, they don't give off heat. They're not emissive. They don't absorb heat 
and they like they don't absorb heat and they don't give the heat back i can change that very quickly by sprinkling dust or by spray painting black paint on it it'll become super absorptive and super emissive that's why the back of radiators in the back of your computer heat sinks they're a lot of times they're matte colored just by putting a matte color on it suck in that it heat. sucks in heat or it gives off heat okay what would be the proper r value for a floor because every house misses this i keep telling people that your floor is just as important as your attic yeah or your cold space do you agree or disagree i think that the floor is important because you touch it and you feel it and i would say that it starts at r10 you know put put r10 underneath your slab but more importantly your slab should be more or less a floating slab and don't forget to thermally break your slab from the the, the sides because the i always should not do be i tell people this all the time yeah. i tell them to you know at least use tin test along the edges just to for flexing stucco where does it stand with you i just worry about the drainage layer behind it Okay, so now they got the puck system before they had the uh, polar shield, and a lot of guys didn't do this. I, I would trowel my trowels down. Yeah. That way the water would leak out sure. at the bottom. Guys yeah. don't care. Another thing I want to talk about, celluloids and fiberglass. A lot of times I go into attics, and people are mixing. I think it's really important that you can't mix can't. two insulations. Can't. It has to be the same one. So for homeowners or contractors who don't know this, if you go into an attic, it has to be the same product. No, I, I Well, they I behave say, different, right? Yes, and, and and you put cellulose on top of fiberglass and it'll squish it down. But and it loses its R value. But that's uh, that, that fiberglass is gonna get squished down eventually anyways. That's why I don't use pink. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like I hate pink. It's not that I don't... I, I don't hate pink. What was the fix to the church? We never finished that story. They need an air barrier system. Okay. And you know, they should have taped up the, uh, All the, the sheathings or they, that's they, it. Radiant heat wouldn't have saved that or anything radiant, or, or radiant, revolving, revolving would door. Would that have helped? Possibly, but I don't like, basically the doors and windows were good. It was a systemic issue throughout the building. Every panel was leaking. So including they, the roof throughout throughout yeah. and, and mm. had they and major structural connections it was a timber frame the corners all the load bearing bits were even worse so but to the, very quickly the radiant in floor would have probably made them warm because tactile wires they were their feet would have been touching something warm and they would have been feeling they would have been close Heating to the would have been and it wouldn't have been convective where you're forcing a bunch of air into the room and it yes. escapes so i think they would have been a little bit more comfortable but it would have been icing or, or lipstick on a pig. pig. This has been a very, very good show. This has been amazing. We are going to go visit Greg and oh. his at the lab. We have, we to, have get. to have We have, have to go. Honestly, I haven't even got 10% of my questions to you. <laughs> Bring him in as your student or something. We Can we have him on again, please? Of course. Let's Why are you asking 90%. me? Ask him. Yeah. No, I, you guys have to come by the lab. I would come by the lab. He's at Ryerson. It's not that um, far. Okay, one serious question. A lot of youngsters out there were always trying to uh, give them new direction, educate them, you know, give them a chance to save some money for retirement and so on. What kind of people are you looking for? What kind of education? What kind of attitude working in your labs? There's a lot of engineers, and they, it's a multidisciplinary uh, program. It's a master's level and PhD level uh, program. So we get all kinds of different people, you know, degrees in business or, you know, they, they need to have proficiency in math. <laughs> and so a lot of math. And, huh? and, uh, but yeah, by and large, there's a lot of engineers and architects that are taking the courses. Sounds good. Thank so, you, Greg. Thank you very much. Thank you it's good both. to see you, you again, man. Been... I haven't seen you in a while, but yeah. we've spoken and a I, bit. I just want to make a statement. Everyone that's listening, you actually really test these products 
you're not just giving a theory. I think that all the listeners need to know that you're handling these products and you've seen the failure or the pros he, and the cons. You've seen the, the results. That's right. The yeah. results of it, right? Yeah. This was a great, this is great for me. I can't wait to go yeah, to the lab. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for having Thank me. You. you guys are great to have a, I'm sorry we didn't have beer. Like I'm looking at the beer over there. No, I like, feel bad. I'm sure there's plenty in there. But you know what? Not only about, we talked about condoms today, he also broke the virginity of the first Canadian song. <laughs> <laughs> no, the first, uh, no, no, no. Actually, no. We had a Spanish song before. There we go. First French. No, but this song. was first Canadian song. I don't know. I got to look back into the library and find out. Out. I don't know. I'm not sure, man. Okay. I'm not sure. We got to get out of here, All Carlito. Right. He does this little beatbox out of here. <laughs> Greg, thanks very much, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here, making time for us. Uh, I know Carlito thoroughly enjoyed it, and I, I enjoyed it. it so much. We always learn. Every time I speak to you, I always learn. So I hope everybody got something out of this show, and uh, we definitely will do a follow-up. And Carlito, get us out of here. Spray foam, 416. <laughs> yeah, eco-friendly. Tia, baby. <laughs> 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 Nicely done.